Sometimes the fun begins when the paved road ends. Chevy Silverado 2500 HD is made to work hard and play hard on the road or off. Go to ChevyDriveChicago.com for details and experience life in HD. WGN Radio. I'm Raleigh James, and you see what happened was, I know, don't all good stories start out that way? Producer Ashley said, how about Buck Angel? And I said, who? She said, it's a really interesting story, and she sent me a link, and I said, I'll say. And uh, I said, yeah, this is uh, in many ways uh, a real human interest story that probably doesn't affect you directly, but might affect someone in your life. But in any event, the journey is certainly worth the discussion. So, Buck Angel, welcome to WGN Radio. Wow. (laughs) Thank you so much for having me. It's funny how people look at my whatever they're looking at on the internet, <laughs> they either say yes or no. <laughs> you said yes, so that's cool. <laughs> oh, well, absolutely I did, because there, there there's so many facets of this, and I want to get into all of them if I can within an hour, but uh, to cut to the chase here, it's hard enough making the decision that you are going to t- change genders, but on top of that, work in adult films, because as you well know firsthand, the adult film industry is riddled with all sorts of issues, not to mention those who are not part of it and how they view it. So it's almost like you set yourself up for a certain amount of ridicule from every facet in the world. Now, I'm sure that wasn't your intent, but as some people would say, what were you thinking? (laughs) (laughs) Actually, my parents say that to me all the time. (laughs) (laughs) I'll bet. But, you know, I have to say that I, I personally do not think it was a bad choice. I think it got me to where I am today, which is a pretty big voice within my community and outside of my actual transgender community. And so some people would say, yeah, sex work is a bad thing or choosing to do that is a bad thing. But I think what it did for me is it helped me sort of educate on a person like myself. And what I mean is I used my body for activism. And I used my naked body to show the world that, you know, not all men look alike and not all men were born men. So it sort of worked that way. It's, it's fascinating. I want to go back to, I was saying earlier, the teenage years are tumultuous for just about everybody, but mm-hmm. few people face the kind of hurdles that you did. So here you are, probably about the time you're entering puberty and you discover all is not right in Buck World. So tell, mm-hmm. me, tell me about this. How did you happen on this discovery and how did you proceed? Well, yeah, so, so I'm 58 years old, and I was born in 1962, and I, was, I grew up in, the, in Los Angeles in the San Fernando Valley, and I was, I was a valley girl, and I was a Girl Scout, I was a brownie, and I hated everything female. I mean, my parents will tell you I was really just little buck. Always my parents called me that. You know, I think we used to call it tomboy. A tom- right. When a girl acted sort of like a boy, they were called a tomboy. So I was a tomboy pretty much, but... Pretty much everyone thought I would grow out of it, and, and I like to say I grew into it on some level. But again, remember how old I am, and back in the day, when we didn't have social media, we didn't have a lot of the things we have today, and so I struggled a lot. I struggled because people didn't understand. You know, when I would say I felt like a boy, people would just say, oh, you're just a very masculine girl. Or when I would say I want to be a man, that's what I am, people would just, you know, I got sent to psychiatric hospitals, I got sent to... Uh, psychiatrist, I got put on medication, 
I became a really bad alcoholic and drug addict, and I would cut myself up with razor blades, and I tried to commit suicide three times, and it just it, it ended up becoming I didn't want to be on this earth anymore. And luckily, I got the opportunity because I know there's people that don't understand what what I did, and I really appreciate you giving me the space to do this because it's a hard thing for people to understand. Somebody who's born female and wants to be male, so. You know, it's, it's, I can only tell you how I felt, but I can't necessarily say that you have to agree with me because I don't think you have to agree with me. You just have to know that it saved my life and it's where I am today. Yeah, it's your story for sure. But I, yeah. I, I got to yeah. ask when you were telling me this, what kind of medication did they think would help this condition? I know. Good, good question. You know, they gave me antidepressants. <laughs> they gave me a lot of antidepressants because they thought I was depressed. And so the antidepressants made me more act out. You know, my mom said that she took me off them immediately because I just became like a zombie and I was not functioning. She said she would rather have me the other way where I was so angry as opposed to just sort of like not functioning. Mm-hmm. Again, remember, I'm 58 and back in when I was 16 going to the psychiatrist and they just could not. They just kept saying, you're just a very masculine woman. They didn't even have the term transgender. They had the term transsexual. But it was mostly men becoming women, and there was not any woman becoming a man back then. Right, that's exactly true. By the 70s, you did occasionally hear about someone who transitioned male to female, but you Mm -hmm. almost never heard about transitioning the other way. And Mm -hmm. the first thing I wonder, by the way, just on a biological basis, but you're talking about a lot of hormones to do this. When you were thinking Mm -hmm. about this decision, did did it ever occur to you that maybe I better look at the physical implications of doing this? And did you do that? Yeah, great question. So again, I didn't have any knowledge. Uh, I transitioned in Los Angeles, California, 26 years ago. And when I did it, there was no internet, there was no information, nobody had done it. No woman was going to a man at that time in Los Angeles. So I found this booklet that was basically for transgender women, so men becoming women. And in that book, I found a uh, doctor who did, who worked with transgender women, not transgender men. And I went there And I said, I I want to start taking testosterone and become a man. And he said, well, I've never done this before, so I don't even know what this is going to do. And he said, he literally said to me, you're going to be my guinea pig. (laughs) I remember like, what? (laughs) I'm going to be an experiment. And I, you know, I didn't have a choice, Raleigh. I did not have a choice. It was life or death for me. And so there was, I didn't know. I had no idea what was going to happen to me. I didn't know the, the long-term effects of it. There was no studies on it back in the day. There's still no studies now, really. Mm-hmm. And, and so that being said, it, it wouldn't even have mattered to me, to be honest with you. If they told me that you know, I was only going to live half my life, I was only going to live for 20 more years, I still would have done it because it literally changed my life to where I could function and become this person. And, and, and on some level, it saved my life. Right. In that context, it really wasn't a decision. It was uh, it was the only way out at that point in time. So suddenly the things that the rest of us might say, I don't know about these hormones. You're like, who the hell cares? And uh, <laughs> I can I, I can see that now when you go home to tell mom and dad who think you're a tomboy anyway. Well, drop the Tom, mom and dad. I'm a boy. Uh, exactly. How did that conversation work? <laughs> Yeah, that's a, my parents are so awesome. I have to tell you, first off, I'm very lucky. My parents are awesome. I mean, I had a hard time with them prior to transitioning and all of that, but they've come around and become such amazing parents. So 
when I transitioned, I had lost contact with my parents because I had already turned into a really bad drug addict. And I ended up, you know, becoming homeless. I ended up living on the street. My parents just really disowned me, which now looking back was the best thing they ever did. You know, people listening might go, gosh, that's what a horrible thing to do to your child. But it's not because I was not functioning right. My parents could not deal with me and I don't blame them at all. But that said, so through that time, I got sober and I came back and I was about, mm, I think I was a couple of years into my sobriety. And then I called my mom and she just didn't believe that it was me on the phone. She's like, who is this? And I'm like, it's me, Buck. And she's like, what? She's like, what? She even started crying and she said she thought, you know, like they would never see me again. And then I told my mom, well, you know, she goes, do you have a cold? Because my voice started to change from the testosterone. Yeah. So, yeah. you know, I started going through sort, sort of puberty and it started doing that uh, uh, thing. So I said to my mom, well, I'm, I need to let you know something. I'm, I said, I'm having a sex change to become a man. And then there was total silence on the phone. And then my mom said, and it's going to make me cry because it always does. Because my mom said to me, she said, you know, if that's the thing that's going to keep you alive, that's all we care about. We, we love you and we care about you and we want you to be alive. And that was really the beginning of my relationship with my parents. And so I think parents in general just want their kids to survive to be functioning to have a life and so my parents just put all of that aside and today i have an amazing relationship because they understood it saved my life and that's all they really cared about did you have brothers and sisters yeah i have an older sister and a younger sister and i'm the middle child so they they've always treated me like their brother it was never an issue my both my sisters were like duh <laughs> you are totally our brother <laughs> Yeah. So, you know, I, again, I'm so blessed on so many levels. My my family is so, uh, they're just so amazing, really. You do a lot of work with individuals much like yourself who are going through this type of transition. Now, how often yeah. are parents as accepting? Not at all. And that's why I'm crying. I'm crying because I know how lucky I am. And, you know, even 26 years into this transition, I very emotional because it literally saved my life and then i see kids out there who whose parents are so mean or so diseng disengaged with their children or you know and they don't understand and i have compassion for parents i work a lot with parents of trans kids because there is not a lot of information even to this day there's not a lot of information about trans. you know children are starting to transition more now we're seeing more of it we're seeing more of this idea of transgender and and so i think parents are getting lost their kids are going to school one day and coming home the next day and saying you know mom i'm trans just like that yeah. and it's you know it's it's a it's a thing that's happening that it has parents really um i think good parents will question it i think good parents will not disown their children i think good parents will take their time to investigate this with their child and so what i see is parents getting angry and mean and disengaging with their children, which is not the way to do it at all. Yeah, I'm sure there's a certain amount of, of fear in this as well. Yeah. Uh, but there are so many issues. What part of the San Fernando Valley, by the way, got to ask? Oh, 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 yeah, I grew up in, uh, in, in um, Van Nuys. Oh, I went to oh, Birmingham perfect. High School. Oh, yeah. I went to, yeah, yeah. Do you, are you familiar with the valley? Oh, yeah. Are you kidding? The Wednesday night cruise on, on Van Nuys Boulevard? Oh, 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 my God, you said. 
No way. I used to go with my sister all the time. That's oh, yeah. so awesome. Yeah, yeah. Never, <laughs> never wanted to miss that. Saturday nights it was the corner of Atlantic and Whittier in East LA, and then Wednesday nights it was the Van Nuys Cruise. Right. So, oh, you betcha. That's right. All right. Oh my God, I feel so old. <laughs> <laughs> oh, don't. This was long before you were born. Don't worry about it. <laughs> all right. It'd been going on a long time, Buck. Right so, on. We're talking to Buck Angel, and by the way, you can go to Buck Angel Jot. Dot com. You can go to at Buck Angel on Twitter and Instagram, or if you're a Facebook denizen, official Buck Angel, and check Buck out for yourself. If you got any questions, I, I got a million more. I find this stuff absolutely fascinating. We'll pick it up right there. I'm Raleigh James. It's WGN Radio. WGN Radio. Yeah, you think you got troubles? I'm telling you, everybody thinks their childhood was the toughest. Well, you weren't Buck Angel. That's about all I can say. If you want to join us, 888-876-5593 is 8888-RALEIGH. So here is Buck and Van Nuys going to Birmingham High with all the snooty Encino kids. And now you think, oh, my God, uh, I've, I've got another thing going on. When it came time for romance at that point, were you looking at the girls, Buck? <laughs> exactly. <laughs> I was because, you know, everyone kept telling me I was a gay woman. So, again, this is like mid seven, like late 70s, maybe 78 or so. I started really kind of understanding myself and my sexuality and mm-hmm. my attraction to women. Though I thought it was okay because I thought of myself as a guy, right? right? So I was right. like, but no, I was really a gay woman, and forget it. That was another whole level of dealing with, uh, with ev- so much. I mean, I couldn't talk about it. I couldn't really explore it. I couldn't really even be part of that, you know, because it just wasn't something we discussed. Or if you did discuss it, you were a bad person. Right, and really between the proverbial rock and a hard place, because you're mm-hmm. not really going to feel comfortable in the lesbian community. You're not feeling mm-hmm. comfortable in the straight community. Uh, you want your own community, and heretofore it doesn't exist. And so I'm, I'm sure the doctor was uh, uh, very kind-hearted, but clearly uh, somewhat out of his league when he's thinking, I'm going to try this. So uh, I, I, give him a, I give him a lot of credit. And, of course, you know, physically, not, not to be totally graphic on a family show, but, but transitioning from a woman to a man is physically, shall we say, easier. And yeah. when you start to talk about transitioning from a woman, the, the physical biology alone doesn't make this easy. And you hear stories over the years, uh, everything from freed clitorises on down, and none of them seem to make a lot of biological sense. So pretty easy to deal with the top half of your body and the hormones, and you know, you're wearing a pair of jeans and you got a bare chest and you look as, about as male as can be. But what about the other half? Right. Yeah. What about, you're right. I mean, because what are we taught... Pretty much early on in life, they were taught that women have vaginas. Can I say that on air? I apologize. You just did, so don't worry about it. <laughs> I apologize. Um, I do so many podcasts. We know women have this and men have that. And so that's what we know. So that's what you need. So as far as I knew, as a, guy, a woman who was becoming a man, I needed to have what we call bottom surgery. So I needed to have that bottom surgery in order to move forward in my life. But did did not exist at all. It was not possible until eventually I started to, I think it was about maybe about five years into testosterone and the internet started to 
become a little bit more and there was private groups for men like me and then I started seeing some photographs of some of the surgeries that were coming out and it just and, and I just want to say this no disrespect to any uh, man like myself transgender man who has gotten the bottom surgery it just wasn't for me you know in my story it just wasn't for me I just wanted something that functioned more like a biological man I wanted to you know be sexually active like a biological man and the thing that they wanted to do was none of those things and and it was very intense, and they take tendons out of your forearm and connect it to your genitals, and then they take out, you know, stuff from your back, and they mold it into oh. what looks sort of like that. Yeah, and then oh. you had to put a stick. No. They would leave, like, a hole. No. You put a stick in it. No. Yeah. No. And, that, and I was like, no, that's not going to happen for me. I'm, I'm just... And, you know, and then you have 50% or more chance of losing, you know, an orgasm. And I'm, I'm just like... I just made the choice not to do that for those reasons. And, you know, I, I'm going to tell you now that it was the best choice I made, but at the time it was a very difficult choice for me because how am I going to have sexual relations with, with women if I don't look like fully male? And that was, a, you know, that's going into a whole other space, which well, was very difficult. Right, and we're going we're gonna to get into that, so to speak, because, again, you have a career in the adult film industry where no holes are barred, mm-hmm. pardon the fun, mm-hmm. and, uh, you know, <laughs> everything is about as visible as can be. So we'll pick it up right. right there. Yeah, just fascinating. We're talking to Buck Angel. You can check it out for yourself. The website is buckangel.com, at Buck Angel on Twitter and Instagram. And if you're a Facebook denizen, official Buck Angel. I'm Raleigh James, and this is WGN Radio. <laughs> Just be yourself. WGN Radio. Yeah, just be yourself. Sometimes easier said than done. That's LaBrenda Ben, 1963 on Tamla. Nothing she did charted, but she had some great records. I think the chaperone is my fave. In any event, we're talking with Buck Angel. And uh, screener John came in here and said... I think they're not calling because you've stunned them into silence. And uh, Engineer Adam said, well, I went to the website, but I think the IT department's going to pay me a visit now. <laughs> it's all my, <laughs> all my fault. And uh, it's, uh, it's a fascinating discussion, Buck, and, and you've got a great sense of humor with it all as well, which, uh, which works. But uh, we were talking about the porno industry, and when I, when I think, for want of a better adult entertainment, okay, uh, when, I, when, I think of, <laughs> yeah, when I think of women, I think of people like Linda Lovelace or Marilyn Chambers, and when I think of guys, I think of like Ron Jeremy or Rod Fontana or something. And I shouldn't know these names, I know. But in any <laughs> in any event, uh, here you are, uh, Buck Angel, and uh, you defy every category. So tell me about the first time you went after an adult film gig and how you positioned that. <laughs> It is quite hilarious, you know, and I actually do have a sense of humor. So thanks for saying that because you don't get through life unless you laugh at yourself. So that being said, I actually, for lack of a better word, I saw a hole in the industry (laughs) and I, I was like, wait a minute, there's nobody like me. And so back, you know, I started 20 years ago. I create, I created my, my claim to fame is creating the genre of trans male pornography. But that, that said, there wasn't any visible, person like me in a in a in a space where people showed their bodies having sex and so i just didn't see myself and i saw transgender women you know there was a lot of that in the pornography business but there was nobody like me and so i just it was so crazy i just had the idea because i my partner at the time was a professional dominatrix and she was doing stuff on the internet and then i just 
got saw the whole thing and I was like, wow, what if I did this? And then I'll never forget my friend at the time. He said, wow, you're going to change the world. And I said, no, I'm not. I just want to make porn and make a million dollars. And then I never thought I would be in the space I'm in. That was not my objective. But, you know, it just ended up turning into what it is today. But I'll tell you that I don't look look on it as a bad thing. I look at it on as, as, as a means and a way to get to where I am today. Yeah, well, and li- like anything else, there's the upsides and downsides, and uh, sure. uh, certainly growing up in Van Nuys, you saw it right on the street. Uh, so, yeah. uh, you know, probably more... <laughs> oh, although my favorite memory other than cruise nights was Lido's Pizza, and I was, oh <laughs> I was thinking to no. myself, yeah, got me hungry, just... Uh, you, you probably have <laughs> eaten there half a dozen times at least, right? <laughs> wow. I, I grew up literally around the corner from that oh man i'm not even kidding you wow it's a wonder wow. you're not 300 pounds because <laughs> <laughs> it is actually yeah. and that's the other thing by being in the pornography business you gotta work out a lot so you know i had to work i had to also really this isn't my body if anyone has seen my photographs isn't just natural i had to you know when i take testosterone i had to really work out at the gym hard to get a very masculinized body so sure. on top of just taking testosterone i had to literally sculpt my body in the gym and that was also a whole other thing oh right and when you're when you're talking about the adult industry of course fat is out the other mm-hmm. thing that's out the thing that you can't control and you're starting to hit now is ageism that's right. Oh my gosh. Am I hitting that? And so I refuse to be a part of this ageist nonsense. So it's why I keep myself sort of relevant if for, you know, I, I keep myself relevant in that industry because I don't think age is a bad thing. And I actually pride myself on being 58 and being very healthy and, and being the way I'm. People don't even believe I'm 58. So, so that being said, I, I really actually despise the whole ageist stuff. And that's with every sort of community. There's ages yeah. oh, that yeah. I'm starting to see as a 58 year old. I'm starting to see it more and more and in the transgender community. And I'm one of the I'm one of the eldest, you know, people out there really as a trans person. I'm I'm one of the people who really transitioned way before what you see today. So, you know, there's an ageism within my community too, where they're you know, they push out the older voices. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. And that's always been an issue in uh, certainly in gay culture, but also adult films and all that, you know, right. more, more than anything else, man, don't grow old. And uh, that's right. <laughs> I, I've had some friends, literally, uh, some of whom have died, who pretty much almost willed it saying, I'm not going to be an old queen, you know, things like that. <laughs> I'm just not right. going there because the the right. idea was so horrifying to them that 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 was a preferable option, and uh, yeah. you know that's uh, probably more stark in certain communities, but it's it's really across the board uh, everywhere, and so I don't think mm-hmm. there's anybody who doesn't face it on some level. But of course, in, in your case, it's right in your face. We'll get to Chuck in Rockford in a moment who wants to join in, but. Obviously, here you are as a teen, and everybody thought, oh, you're going to grow out of it. It's just a phase. Well, for some people, though, that may be the case. So let me ask you, of all the people you've known, have you ever known anybody who said, oops? Wow, what a very powerful question that is, because I don't think you realize how powerful of a question you're asking me right now. And what I mean by that is, so... Yes, I've met a lot, which actually is very disturbing to me because I'll tell you that this saved my life and I've never looked back and I've only ever looked forward and I only ever celebrate my my actual, I believe, 
a gift. I was given a gift of transition. And today what we have is a lot, a lot, a lot, a lot, a lot of people transitioning, which is great and awesome if, you know, and I think that they have the ability to do it and don't have to deal with all the nonsense I had to deal with. And But that being said, I've sure met quite a few youngsters who made the choice to do what I did and then have now chosen to what we now are calling detransition. And this is something that my community doesn't necessarily want to talk about. It's sort of like the dirty little secret. Yeah. And I want to talk about it. And the reason I want to talk about it, first off, because I'm an elder of the community and it, the transitioning saved my life. But secondly, because I don't want somebody to do something so drastic. And a lot of these people have, for, for, uh, like me, have removed their breasts and even had hysterectomies and then decided that they made the wrong choice. This is a very, very, very bad space to be in. What's going to happen to this person who literally thought they were a boy or a man, transitioned using medical assistance, and then later on decided that it was the wrong thing for them? How do you detransition out of that? Right. You've lost your breasts. You have a hairy face. You might have a lot of masculine features. So, yes, it's, it's something we must start to talk about, and it's something that I'm scared for the future of the trans community on some level, if we do not have this really important conversation, because why are people transitioning medically at such a fast rate without having the understanding that there is no really on some level turning back? You know, once you do this, it's, it's pretty permanent. Yeah. And on the one hand, it is good that it is easier than what you went through. On the other hand, it is bad that it is easier. And it's hard to put a litmus test in there uh, to, to say you have to meet these benchmarks and because one size does never fit all. But on the other right. hand, uh, especially if it is somebody who is going through other psychological problems and using this as a reason and then finds out, oh my God, it's not, uh, not only have they short-circuited themselves physically but psychologically as well because they're not dealing with the underlying issue and i don't know yet if there is any branch of psychology that is dealing with that because you don't want to go to the extreme where it's uh, you know it becomes a uh, bible thumping or a morality mm -hmm. inducing uh, mm -hmm. we're, not, we're not saying that but at the other hand you, it does it shouldn't be a quick choice Oh my gosh. So, so I'm looked at as a very conservative, which is kind of funny if you think about it. I, I'm looked at as a very conservative trans person, and I am for a reason. Because we need, this is not something that you just take your t shirt on and put another t shirt on, or you dress like a woman today and a man tomorrow. It's not that. This is actual physical medical assistance that, you know, testosterone, just let's take surgery off the table. Testosterone, that, that mm -hmm. immediately changes so much of your structure, are you going to be able to go back after that? We don't have enough studies. So that being said, yes, lots of youngsters are now seeing things, and I think a lot of the Internet uh, has some to do with that. We have, you know, we have YouTube, and we have Twitter, and we have TikTok, and we have all these things where people are really celebrating their transition, which, again, is awesome and amazing. And like I keep telling you and your listeners, it saved my life. It's the most amazing thing ever. But we need to have a structure and, and I had a structure when I transitioned, and that structure is no longer there. I had to get a note from my, my therapist to the hormone doctor in order for him to start that, even though I was still a guinea pig. Same with my top surgery, which is the person who removed my breast. I had to bring a note from my therapist. And so we're not having any of these sort of 
things happening in our community where people can just what we're calling self ID. And then youngsters can self-ID and say they're trans and then just immediately start getting hormonal therapy without any kind of, you know, mental, mm. mental therapy, which I, I'm, I personally disagree with. Oh, I do, too. Uh, I, uh, yeah. you know, as far as that goes. And it's interesting that because when you did this, it was unique to the point that you had mm-hmm. to go through so many stages. It was a, a form of, uh, of, you know, that type of waiting and questioning and wondering where yeah. today. Yeah, it's uh, it's very easy. Now, I know years ago when the uh, the key uh, transitioning place for a man to woman was Trinidad, Colorado, you probably have heard all right. about that. And right, but yeah. back then, before they would even consider anything, you had to basically move to Denver, Denver, and live as a woman for a year. And that's uh, right. Uh, you know, th- they had requirements like this, and uh, right. uh, you know, now it's just sometimes things are too easy, and it's not that's explained right. that you know this very often is a a, a one way scenario. Yeah. And uh, oh, Brian and Cicero wants to join us. He's got some firsthand experience. Welcome to WGN Radio, Brian. Hi, how are you? How is it going? I was saying uh, that I was going to call and then try and find out what you've had trouble with or any kind of trouble finding a doctor or knowing someone around here or phone numbers that they have around here or what you hear on other radio shows around here and or if you've tried calling people to, I'm transitioning, but not really a transition. It's just I, I, I don't need a sex change. That was what was funny about a long time ago. They used to go, you should get a sex change. Uh, like when these guys found out I joined the Navy for some reason, they said, I go, what has that got to do with the price of bagels in uh, Buffalo Grover? You know, <laughs> but they said that once, and I'm going that all this stuff, all these, Numbers I try to call or people I try to get a hold of or this, like, Windy City Times number I'm trying to get on uh, um, 411 and different stuff. Nothing's connecting. I'm just having trouble finding another name or another person to call, and I'm, I needed another aspect of what it is I'm trying to do, male to female. But I never really needed a sex change. I'm fine myself, you know. I've been myself. All my life I've been myself. That's fantastic. That really makes me happy to hear. You know, the whole thing is what works for me isn't going to work for you. And that's the other thing. This, what you said earlier, Rally, is that it's not going to work for everybody just because this worked for me. I had to social transition for a year, which means that I could not take hormones. I could not do all that. I had to actually live as Buck in my female body and walk the world that way. Okay. They made sure that I wasn't making the mistake that's happening to some people today, right? Okay. And Trinidad? Are there any national hotlines or groups or support, Buck, that maybe, Brian, because he can't find anything in Chicagoland, yeah. nothing? You know, I, there's it's a not lot that. I think it's here, but just they don't want to, for some reason, answer oh. the phone right away or talk to me, right, because we're still getting over this pandemic thing. Well, but I want to go, oh, my right. side of it is that I can right. take care of this now while everybody else is doing this. Now I can take care of this is what I wanted to say. Right. You know, in, 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 um, in Chicago, there is uh, a great LGBT center um, there that's really versed on the trans stuff. So if you want, I can look for – you can just email me, my friend, and I can get you a list of all kinds of stuff, whatever you need. I, you I wouldn't have to do that, but if you had one number handy, at least I could check. You know, no, I what, don't. But if do you know, I know what, the um, LGBT center – I wish I had it available. Yes, yeah, but I can do some research for you. Yes, right, send 100%. send Buck an email. Uh, what's yes, your, send me an email. And your your email link is right at buckangel dot com, yep. right? Okay, yeah. Do, yeah. do that, Brian, and good luck to you. Thank you for calling. 
Hey, you guys. Bye. All right. We'll get to Thank Chuck you. from Rockford. There's room for you, too. And that's 888-876-5593-8888. Raleigh on WGN Radio. WGN Radio. I'm Raleigh James. I don't think the barbarians were thinking about uh, sex changes when they recorded that in 1965. They were regulars on Shindig and the Tammy Show, and this never never occurred to them for sure, but I couldn't resist it. 1965 on Laurie got to number five on the pop charts. We're talking to Buck Angel, and that's buckangel.com, at Buck Angel on Twitter and Instagram, and official Buck Angel on Facebook. So plenty of ways to get in touch at all. Especially if you're listening, and I know this is the case for some people, and you're saying, well, I sure never call a radio station about this, but uh, you've, uh, you've talked to numerous people, and I know are very generous with your, with your time, Buck. I love the way some of them call you Trampa. That, uh, that just made me laugh. That's terrific. And uh, Chuck in Rockford wants to get in on the action. So, Chuck, welcome to WGN Radio. Hi. I don't know how this would fit, but... Um, it, Quite a long time ago, when I was a curious teenager, I got a chance to look at a uh, hermorphodite at a sideshow, and uh, it was pretty authentic that she had, well, she looked like a female, but uh, she had a vagina and a uh, penis, uncircumcised, and... uh, I couldn't even imagine how, you know, you could have both well, equipment. Well, you bring up, you bring up something well, interesting. It. Yeah, you bring up something interesting, Chuck, because, uh, uh, you know, you're, you're like me, a little long a tooth, and you remember the sideshows, and really, for a better word, the freak shows, and uh, things uh, of this nature were relegated to the freak category. Mm-hmm. Yes, and uh, on top of that, uh, I was about 14 years old, and uh, uh, after the sh- after the uh, seeing the show and everything, I was with some other guys about the same age, and we were wandering around the back lot there. And I did get to talk to the person, uh, you know, uh, individually uh, have some dialogue with with her. Of course, some of those kids were kind of nutty, you know, and uh, uh, you know, acting kind of goofy with a lot of their questions and what have you, but. Uh, um, I'm wondering how often uh, this, I suppose, at that time they did uh, try to make adjustments, but I think now they, when this occurs uh, with a person, they, they try to get things adjusted so they have somewhat of a normal life. Although I have heard yeah. of uh, uh, the um, uh, people with that condition, you know, as long as they have a, uh, functioning ovaries and everything, they have had children. Well, and that's a that's a whole different world. But when you talk about normal mm-hmm. lives, the only thing I'm pretty sure is we can define average, but I'm not sure any of us know what normal is. But Chuck, <laughs> I'm, I'm glad you called. Thank you. Thank you. Uh, that's excellent. Yeah. You know, they don't they don't call hermaphrodites that anymore. They call them intersex people. Oh, really? So, you know, like, like I call myself a transsexual, but they don't use that word anymore. They use the word transgender. But I consider myself a transsexual person. And mm-hmm. the, 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 the reason I do that is that I distinguish that I, on some level, quotes, air quotes, I had a sex change. And that's the way I look at myself, that I literally change from a, man, from a woman to a man. And so I live my life that way. I'm not, I don't live my life as a trans person. 
person. I live my life. I wanted to always be male. So that's why I, I differentiate transgender from transsexual. Right. I had a medical condition called gender dysphoria that needed medical help in order for me to get this space. So that being said, the same with hermaphrodite is now a word that's sort of pushed to the side, and now they call themselves intersex. And what he, the gentleman said was that you know, they used to do these, they do these surgeries to correct these people. Well, people, intersex people are fighting against that because, you know, you're a baby and you don't have any say-so in that. And the doctors say, well, your child has both genitals and they're going to have a horrible life. Well, how do you know that? And why should a doctor make that choice, right? So the intersex community is fighting against mm. those types of surgeries now. All right. I would, I would hope so from the standpoint of the doctor could guess wrong, and, exactly. You know, exactly. That, that's something yes. that the uh, individual should decide for themselves later. And, uh, right. you know, it, it is it is a sorry day that we used to relegate all this to the freak shows. And I admit the Midway yes. was one of my favorite things, too. But we're uh, yes. we're not there anymore. But yet the idea mm-hmm. that, well, it's for the child's good, uh, we should, uh, determine, <laughs> you know, and it, it's like, excuse me, this is not not a qu- case of your genitals it's it's a case of your orientation just like with regard to uh uh people's dating habits i always say i don't care where you put your genitals where are you putting your heart Uh, because invariably that tells the uh the story so it's been an enjoyable hour and uh, i wish you much success and uh i uh i plan to spread the word and all the links are at raleigh.net and hopefully people will check you out buck Oh, you're so sweet. Thank you, my friend. I really had such a great time with you. I hope one day we meet in person. That would be super cool. Let's go to Lido. <laughs> yeah, let's go to Lido. Yeah, right okay. on. Let's do it. I All treat right. you. I'm All treating right. you. Have I'll a take good it. night. Thanks. Appreciate <laughs> it. Yeah, you, you betcha. And, uh, right, Lido's Pizza is right there on uh, off of Sherman Way in Sepulveda, if you happen to be in the valley. All right, so uh, 888-876-5593 is 8888. Raleigh, we'll change subjects entirely. We're going to talk about collecting next. Collecting what, you ask? (laughs) Oh, you're not ready for this either. I'm Raleigh James, and it's WGN Radio.